What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. Today, we're going to hop into another Q&A episode. But before we do that, I want to briefly touch on nutrition around the holidays. And this episode is dropping on the day of Thanksgiving. So if you're listening to this on the day of Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this after, that's completely fine too. I think that this information that I'm going to go over really quick or just this thought process that I have around eating around the holidays will be beneficial to you even if it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or even longer down the road. But what I touched on actually today, I recorded a video for all of my clients. I put it in our client group um, was this topic about Thanksgiving. And a lot of people have stress right now around eating and being worried about losing the progress that you're able to make through this year from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And that's a valid thing to be worried about. But at the same time, what I would challenge you to think is that the holidays are only a couple days out of the year. And if you can't take a break from your nutrition or if you can't not stress about food for a few days, I think that you need to recheck yourself and recheck your balance. I think that the most important aspect to this time of year, especially on a day like Thanksgiving is and Christmas, is enjoying yourself, being present in the moment, making sure that you are focused on your friends and your family and and your kids and whatever it is you're doing that day with your presence over how many calories you're consuming. There's a common phrase that you're not going to get skinny in one day. Well, you're not going to get fat in one day either. So enjoying yourself to the fullest, making sure that you are present, enjoying that time with your family is first and foremost. And I would always argue that the day after Thanksgiving is far more important to your goals than what you do on the day of Thanksgiving. If you can just take that mindset of just getting back on track on Friday, not going to the gym and overly punishing yourself for any of the extra food that you ate, not doing a bunch of cardio the morning of Thanksgiving because you to punish yourself for all the food that you're going to eat, but just simply getting back on track, not dropping your calories really low the day after to make up any calories that you overate, but just getting back to what you were doing before Thanksgiving and you continue down that road, you'll be a million times better off than creating a a bad relationship in terms of punishing yourself for enjoying yourself. And at the end of the day, it's about balance. We have to find balance inside of our training, our nutrition, and our lives. Training and nutrition is a small piece to our lives that can make our lives better. But I've also seen for a lot of people that it can make their lives worse by adding too much stress. And if you gain a couple pounds from one day, just like I said, if you just get back on track on Friday and push forward, it's going to come right off really fast and so you can continue moving along with a clearer headspace than feeling restricted or deprived or not being able to enjoy yourself. So finding that right balance is the biggest key. And one thing that you can do if, if you want to have a bit of a strategy to still completely enjoy yourself, but at the same time, <coughs> excuse me, but at the same time, um, make sure to not go completely overboard um, just for no reason and end up eating like an asshole, which just basically means just eating to stuff your face instead of eating for enjoyment and for need. I think a lot of people can go the other way 
and end up in all-out binges as well, which I don't think is, is very smart either, just to eat for the sake of eating. I don't think that that's the best approach either because then you end up so full that you are in a position to where you probably regret it a little bit, your stomach hurts really bad, your brain's really foggy, you have no energy, and all you can do is lay on the couch and just feel like crap. I don't think that that's the smartest approach either. So one approach that I would advise that I think works really, really well is the one-plate rule. So at dinner, have one plate of whatever you want. As much as you want to fit on that plate, fit it on that plate. And then for dessert, same thing. The one plate rule for dessert is a small plate, obviously, not the same size of a plate as you had for your dinner plate, but the one plate rule. Eat whatever you want as long as it fits on that one plate for dessert. This way you can eat whatever you want. You don't have to feel restricted, but you're not just mindlessly snacking at stuff all afternoon, which can end up having you severely bloated, feeling like crap, and then not actually enjoying the day either because you're just in this crazy food coma. So having a little bit of balance there, the one plate rule, it just helps you not feel restricted, but at the same time doesn't allow you necessarily to go overboard. And if you don't stick to this perfectly, that's not the point. It's just the the thought of having a bit of a strategy to enjoy yourself, but at the same time not to go overboard to end up in a situation where you're sitting on the couch feeling like complete crap because I all know we've been there. I've been there a lot of times around Christmas a few years ago. I had been dieting. Here's just a quick story for you. Christmas time, I was dieting. I was super low calorie and I wasn't super knowledgeable, honestly, with the whole nutrition aspect of things, nutritional periodization, which is what I talk a lot about now. But I was in a deficit for like six months or so I was to a point where I was pretty hungry at this point. I hadn't been taking a lot of diet breaks. Um, I'd just been in a deficit for a really long time. Hunger was skyrocketed. Hormone levels were were down. My, my hunger levels were super high because of that. Didn't feel very good. I started eating my grandma's. Um, she has like this white chocolate chicks mix thing that she puts together that is absolutely insane. It's got like coconut. It's got like this this powdery sugar stuff to it. It's got nuts. It's got Chex Mix in there. It's absolutely amazing. Kind of like a Trails Mix holiday mix type thing. Absolutely amazing. Anyway, I'm at our house and I start eating this the night before Christmas, Christmas Eve. And I ended up eating an entire bowl, like a family-sized bowl of this Chex Mix stuff without even really realizing it and was absolutely sick out of my mind. I was I could I remember my stomach hurting so bad that it hurt just to stand up. And I remember looking back at that. It's a funny memory to think about now. My family makes fun of me for it all the time for that happening because they literally sat and, and watched this happen. But I didn't enjoy myself at all because I ended up going too far overboard. So I think that there's a fine line there. There's a balance of of enjoying what you want to, but not letting the floodgates completely open to getting to a point where you're sick. And you regret going too far. So implementing things like the one plate rule can just be super helpful to help you find that balance in between of not restricting yourself, but not allowing yourself to just let the floodgates open either. So hope that this helps you. I hope that you all have had an amazing Thanksgiving. Let's hop into today's Q&A. All right. Question number one. I'm currently in a deficit and eating 1900 calories per day while dropping around one pound of weight per week. What would happen if I dropped calories to 1,400 to lose weight even faster? I tried this before, and I did lose weight faster, but was wondering your opinion. That's a really good question. This is something that comes up with clients a decent amount as well. You're going right along. You're in a modest deficit, dropping body weight 
pretty efficiently week in, week out around that one to two pounds per week is generally a good guideline to be in, a good range to be shooting for. But then you get ambitious and you think, man, if I just drop calories by another three to 500, I could lose this weight even faster and get to my goal a whole lot quicker. And theoretically, that makes sense, right? The the deeper the deficit goes, the faster that you'll get create progress. And that is 100% true. Definitely what will happen. But what I would argue with this and what I've seen happen time and time again when people try to create deficits that are far too drastic is you forget about the repercussions of that. When you stay in a mild deficit of somewhere between three to 600 calories below your maintenance, your hunger levels aren't going increase, to increase quite as rapidly. Your hormones aren't going to downregulate as quickly, which is going to not have you losing energy as fast. Your mood's not going to decrease as fast. Your digestion isn't going to get as off as fast. Your sleep isn't going to get off as fast. Um, I think I already mentioned it, but your hunger levels aren't going to skyrocket as quickly. You're just going to be in a place to where your overall health is going to be in a better position, leaving you more sustainable in a more of a sustainable position if you keep that deficit modest and just shoot for around that one to two pounds of weight loss per week. But if you drop calories really low past that modest deficit and start doing things a bit more um, extreme, you will lose weight faster. But on the back end of that, hunger is going to skyrocket a whole lot faster. Your hormones are going to downregulate a whole lot faster, meaning energy is going to crash. Your digestion is probably going to get poor a lot quicker. Your sleep is going to get worse a lot quicker. You're just going to feel like crap a lot quicker. You're going to have a lot more restriction in your life because calories are going to be so low. So you're not going to be able to be as flexible or eat out and whatnot um, week in and week out and still create results. So it's going to be a whole lot less sustainable for you to stick to. And this is the big thing that so many people forget about is when we're creating results with our body composition, the most important factor to the result that we're creating is if we're doing it in a way that we can sustain that result over the long term. Anybody can cut calories super low and drop body weight. But where people struggle is learning how to sustain that weight loss over time. And to do that, it usually comes down to having a more long-term mindset and realizing, okay, what if I just shoot for one to two pounds of weight loss per week? If I have 20 pounds to lose, let's say that's going to take me 20 weeks to do it. And then after I finish after the 20 weeks, then I'm going to need another five to 10 weeks to reverse diet back up, get to a maintenance, get comfortable there, recover from the diet, and then I can sustain these results over the long term. If you'll take that approach to it and think, okay, what can I realistically do and what what are my goals? What's a realistic timeline to get there that's in a sustainable manner? And then you lay that blueprint for yourself. Now you have a long-term strategy to sustain the goals that you're creating to make sure that your hard work pays off over the long term. But instead, if you say, okay, I've got 20 pounds to lose, well, let's try to do that in eight weeks or in 10 weeks. I would argue that when you do get 20, 25, 30 weeks down the road and you try to do a whole lot faster from all those negative effects that I was explaining before, you won't be nearly as far along in that 20, 30, 40 week period because you'll done it in an unsustainable measure, which is probably going to put you in a worse relationship with food. Your health's going to be ran down. Your metabolism is probably going to be ran down and you're ultimately going to be frustrated. And I know that you said that you did it once, you dropped calories really low and saw results a whole lot quicker. But I would argue 
and try to shift your perspective here and ask you, well, if you did it once, then why are you having to lose the weight again? Because obviously the last time that you did it, it didn't work. And I would argue that the reason that it probably didn't work last time is because it was unsustainable for you and you didn't know how to maintain that result after you got it because the measurement, the measures that you took to create it weren't sustainable for you. So learning to flex that patience muscle and really build that patience muscle is so key to your long-term results. When you can just accept that it's going to take a decent amount of time, I'm going to go slower, but I'm going to do this in a more sustainable manner, in a manner that I can see myself holding on to these results for the rest of my life. Now you're putting yourself in a position to only have to lose that weight one time instead of being in this yo-yo effect of where you're always having to worry about weight loss. It becomes so nice and so freeing when you get to a point where if you take it a little bit slower, maybe it takes you double or even three times the amount of time to lose the weight than what it did before when you yo-yoed and put the weight back on. Then you can get these thoughts of weight loss that are always on your shoulders off of you to relieve that stress and more focus on getting stronger, more focus on your overall health rather than only thinking of fat loss when it comes to your health. And that's where we all want to get, right? That's what we're all shooting for. But a lot of times we forget that that's what we're actually shooting for is to get to a point where we're just maintaining our body composition in a body that we're confident in rather than thinking that we're always trying to create results or always trying to get to wherever we're going as fast as possible. So like I said, I would flex that patience muscle. I would realize that one to two pounds of weight loss per week, it's going to lead to around 50 pounds of weight loss in a year. That's a lot of weight lost in terms of a year. So slow down, realize what you're doing is working, stick with it while it's working. And while you're at that 1900 calories and losing around that pound per week, you're going to get to a point where you're going to plateau. Your body will eventually plateau out and then you're going to have to drop calories a little bit lower, potentially to keep seeing the same rate of progress. You have to come down to 1800 calories and then maybe at some point you might plateau and end up at 1700 calories and even down to 1600 calories by the time that you finish the diet. So realizing that metabolic adaptation is a big part of weight loss as well, that you are going to see plateaus and calories are going to have to continue to drop over time, making sure that you're eating as much as possible throughout the diet that's still eliciting the response that you want so that when you do run into plateaus, you aren't going from 1400 calories to 1300 calories to 1200 calories, you started higher to give yourself room to be able to go from 1900 to 1800 to 1700 in that sort of a fashion. So that's another thing to think about there too. So try to be patient, realize what you're doing is working. Now it just comes down to a matter of staying disciplined, sticking the course and writing this whole thing out and making the adjustments when your body tells you that it's time to make them instead of when your mind's trying to play tricks on you and and tell you to make them faster when it's really not necessary yet and it will only sabotage your long-term results question number two so i've been trying to build muscle and gain weight recently i've been trying to eat more protein and increase my calorie intake but the only thing that i see growing is my stomach what do i do because i know i have to eat more to grow muscle but i don't want to make my stomach bigger please help it's a good question this is coming from um, a female actually and I love seeing that you're in a position to where you're focusing on building muscle. You're out of that fat loss mindset and you have a a focus on going into a bit of a surplus to put on muscle um, to set yourself up for more successful fat loss phases down the road. You're playing that nutritional periodization game, which is the long-term perspective to keep your health intact, to build your body rather than always being depleting your body. So I really like the fact that you are trying to go into a surplus and I totally understand the worry of thinking that your your stomach is 
getting more fat on it, that you're gaining weight and you're not sure if, if what you're doing is working very well. So what I would argue here and what I would not necessarily argue, but what I would advise is as you go into a surplus, it's kind of that same game as when you're dropping body fat. We're trying to do it sustainably, right? We're trying to take it slow, have it come off slowly over time to keep our overall health intact. Same thing when it comes to gaining weight and we go into a surplus to put on muscle. You are going to want to go at a slow rate. I would argue you want to be somewhere around, most likely, around one to two pounds of weight gain per month. So that's going to turn into around 0.25 to 0.5 pounds of gain per week. And to make sure that the, the weight that you are putting on is healthy weight, aka muscle for the most part, you're going to want to make sure that your lifts are getting stronger over time. So you're implementing progressive overload. You're going to want to make sure that you are staying consistent with your training each week. You're going to want to make sure that your volume inside of your training with the muscle groups that you're trying to build the most is adequate and you're recovering well enough, but you're also damaging that muscle um, enough each week. You're finding that sweet spot that's eliciting a growth response over time to really be maximizing that surplus phase that you are in. But even with that said, when you do go into a surplus, a little bit of fat gain is inevitable. It is going to happen regardless. You're not going to be able to just put on muscle without putting on any body fat at all. Anybody that tells you any different is basically is lying to you. In, unless what I will say you are a beginner to training and you're in a position to recomp. So if you're injured and you're just coming back to training after being off for a few months, if you're brand, if you're just brand new to training, or if you've never put together a structured training program that emphasizes progressive overload over time with adequate volume for your experience level and your body's needs, then you'll be in a position to where you probably could recomp a little bit. But if you're past that and you're more of an intermediate type trainee and you're going into a surplus to build muscle, well, you're probably going to put on a little bit of body fat along the process as you're building muscle. But if we take this extra slow and we, we aim for that one to two pounds of gain per month, that's going to minimize the amount of fat that you can put on throughout that time. And the really good news about this as well is as you go through that surplus, as you slowly build muscle over time and you might accumulate a little bit of body fat along the way, you're priming your metabolism to put yourself into a fat loss phase to rid of any of that fat that you gained while holding on to the muscle that you built so that your body composition looks even better at the end of that and your fat loss is going to be a whole lot easier because you periodize your nutrition you put yourself in a situation to where you're in that surplus your metabolism is going to be going stronger your hormones are going to be in a good place your mental state's going to be in a good place so as you do drop calories back down it's going to be a lot easier to drop body fat than always just being in a chronic deficit like so many people end up putting themselves in and just ultimately end up spinning their wheels so you're in a good spot i would just make sure that again you're aiming for around that one to two pounds of weight gain per month. And with that, that's going to feel slow, right? So you're going to want to take daily weigh-ins and extract those weekly averages, see what's happening there, adjust your calories around that. If you're gaining more than that per week, per month, then you're in a position to where you're probably putting on unnecessary body fat that's not going to serve you in the long run. And like I said, you are going to have to put on a little bit of body fat throughout that process as you're gaining muscle, the more experience that you get. It's just an inevitable piece to the puzzle that is necessary. But understanding that you're periodizing things out and if you're planning a deficit phase next, um, you're still gonna be in a really strong position to end up with your best body composition after that surplus and as you go into that deficit and get to the end of that fat loss phase, 
now you're going to be in a position where you have more muscle on your on your body, you're feeling better, you're looking better, and you're reaching those goals that you've set for yourself. But again, it's taking that more long-term mindset, realizing that when you do go into a surplus, it is probably going to come with a little bit of body fat, but realizing that you are in 100% control and as you gain more experience and as you learn how to keep track of your calories and you're in control of that, you dictate when you lose weight, when you gain weight, and you're in 100% control at the end of the day, what's happening with your body composition. And that's a freeing feeling so that you can take these different times and periodize your diet over the long term to eventually get to your best body composition as you go through muscle building phases, fat loss phases, and maintenance phases. The last question for today's episode. This is actually from Gloria. She asked this question through the section on the website, if you go to lostandlifting.com backslash podcast, there's actually a section at the bottom of that page where you guys can go to ask any question that you have for the podcast for these Q&A. So that will be the first link down below. If you have questions, if you have requests on future episodes, anything like that, you can always go down below in the show notes and there's a spot there where you can ask those questions and it'll shoot directly to my inbox, which is exactly what Gloria did. So her question is, You mentioned that as a beginner slash intermediate in strength training, we should focus on 8 to 15 sets per muscle group. Do you consider quads one muscle group versus glutes slash hamstrings, or are they all considered one muscle group? That is a very good question. So basically what she's asking, when you're counting out the amount of sets that you should be doing per muscle group per week, when you do legs, so like if I hit squats, do the squats count for my quads as well as my hamstrings as well as my glutes? And different exercises are going to target different areas more so than other areas, right? So like if I was doing squats and everybody's going to be a little bit different here, but if I was just doing a standard squat for myself, I would count that squat as volume towards my quads and as volume towards my glutes, but not necessarily as much volume towards my hamstrings because the squat dominantly hits quads and it dominantly hits glutes without a whole lot of activation in the hamstrings. If I was hitting something like an RDL, which is a Romanian deadlift, that stretches out my hamstrings, that puts a bunch of tension on my glutes, but not really a whole lot of tension on my quads, I would count those sets just towards my hamstrings and my glutes, obviously. So it really just depends on the exercise that you're doing, which muscle groups that that exercise's volume is going to account for. And this is why it gets really important to make sure that you have a pretty good understanding of programming if you are serious about your results or if you have somebody doing your programming for you, making sure that they are knowledge enough to understand the different exercises and what parts of your body that they're going to be emphasizing. There are a few exercises that will have a little bit of carryover. Like let's say you're doing a bench press. Now that's going to have a little bit of carryover towards your triceps and towards your front delts. Like for example, I don't do a whole lot of front delt work because I do a lot of horizontal presses. I do a lot of flat presses, barbell benches, a lot of incline presses, which hits a lot of my front delts in that work. So for myself, I don't have to add 15 to or eight to 15 sets just for my front delts because a lot of that carryover is happening from the bench press already. So I won't do a whole lot of work there. Whereas if you're a female, you're not going to have as much work on a lot of presses that are targeted for your chest, horizontal presses. So instead, we're going to have to add some more vertical presses to make sure that we're getting in enough volume on the front of those shoulders. So it really is dependent on the exercise to depend on which muscle groups you're counting the amount of sets that you're doing for. And again, this just comes down to having knowledge 
in terms of which exercises are targeting which muscle groups, which muscle group is the primary mover of this exercise, which muscle group is the secondary mover, and which muscle isn't getting a whole lot of work here. Like if you're doing squats, I wouldn't count that as much of a hamstring exercise. I'd make sure that you're doing some sort of a hip hinge to hit those hamstrings as in like an RDL or a deadlift or something like that. And then adding in some leg curls, things like that. And then for the quads, it's a lot of squats, leg extensions, lunges, things like that. And a lot of those knee dominant plus hip dominant movements are gonna hit a decent amount of your quad as well as a decent amount of your glute. And all of just those hip hinging movements are gonna be targeted mostly towards your glute and it's going to add in a decent amount of your hamstrings as well. Anything that is basically a knee dominant movement that doesn't have a lot of movement at the hips either, that's going to be all quad. And then for the upper body, anything that's rowing is obviously going to be for your back. Anything that's pressing is mostly going to be for your chest and for your shoulders. So that would be my answer there. No, I wouldn't just count a leg movement as as volume for your hamstrings as well as for your glutes and for your quads. It's going to be very dependent on the movement. So make sure that the programming that you're creating, you're making sure to do your research on this kind of stuff to make sure you understand which exercises are targeting which muscle groups or making sure that you have somebody in place to do your programming for you that's knowledgeable enough to make sure that you're getting adequate volume in the specific areas that you are focused on most. And that is going to wrap up today's episode. So I really appreciate all of you for asking questions, giving us content to be able to go over in today's Q&A. Like I said, if you have questions that you like answered in a future Q&A podcast, the first link down below, lostlifting.com backslash podcast. At the bottom of that page, scroll down, you'll see the message box. That's where you can insert your question, insert anything that you have. If you have a request for a future episode um, topic, or if you have a request for a future episode guest, anything like that. That's where you can leave that. And when you submit those messages, they'll they'll go right into my personal inbox so that I can see them and bring those questions on or take your suggestions and bring them onto the show as well. So I really do appreciate you guys. I hope you've had an amazing holiday. If you found value in this episode, I'd be greatly appreciative if you could take a screenshot and put it on your IG story and tag me in it just so that we can get more eyes on the show and get more listeners over time. So like I said, hopefully you guys have an amazing holiday. I'll talk with you soon.